the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When we receive God's forgiveness, it's like a shot in the arm spiritually. It's like a spiritual monster energy drink. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multi-generational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit missionhill.org. That's missionhill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that's a result of a wrong done against you. Now, let's take a quick survey. Raise your hand if you've ever had a wrong done against you. All right, that was easy. Right? That's the easiest question I've ever asked. Of course you have. So forgiveness is when we set someone free from the obligation that they now owe because of that wrong that they did against us. Three things in that. First of all, a wrong's been done. Second of all, a debt is owed. Thirdly, freedom is granted. Now, what does that think of, make you think of when I just walk through that? I think it's what Paul's trying to teach us in this simple verse. Forgiveness is best understood. We can best understand the meaning of forgiveness when we look at what God has done through, uh, for us through Jesus Christ. So think of those three things. A wrong has been done. We did wrong. Say this, say, I did wrong. wrong. Sure you did, because you're a sinner just like me. The Bible says in Romans 3, all of us have sinned and we've fallen short of God's design, his mark. And so all of us have done wrong. Secondly, we owe a debt. What is the debt? Well, the Bible says the wages of the payment of sin is what? Death. So the debt that we owe is to die. You understand that, right? That's what scripture teaches. If our sin is left undealt with, we will spend forever in death. Those who have forgiveness spend forever with life. Those who don't have forgiveness spend forever in death. We know the places where the Bible says those take place. Those who spend forever in life spend it in heaven. Those who spend forever in death spend it in hell. That's just what scripture teaches. We owe a debt. But Jesus paid our sin debt, and he sets us free from our obligations. That's the simplicity of the gospel. God did in Jesus on the cross of Calvary what we could never do for ourselves. So you could say forgiveness simply means doing for others what God has done for us. Now, just think about that as I read the definition again. Forgiveness is the act of setting someone free from an obligation to you that's a result of a wrong done against you. 
There's some other ways I think you can think about this. I love Charles Stanley, the great preacher and teacher. He says, forgiveness is giving up my right to hurting you for hurting me. Or Chris Braun said, forgiveness is a commitment by the offended to pardon graciously, graciously the repentant from moral liability and to be reconciled to that person, although not all consequences are necessarily eliminated. Tim Keller has a, a great new book on forgiveness. And listen to what he says. Forgiveness is granted, that's the event, before it's felt. That's the process. It's a promise before God not to take revenge on a wrongdoer for making his or her sin against you. Making that promise entails three practical commitments. You promise not to constantly bring the sin up to the wrongdoer in order to browbeat or punish her or him. You promise not to constantly bring the sin up to other people in order to hurt the wrongdoer's reputation and relationship with others. And you promise not to constantly bring the sin up to yourself to keep the anger hot, not to replay the video of it in order to cherish the feelings of nobility and the virtue that comes from having been treated unjustly. That's forgiveness. It, It really is getting to this place by God's grace that you're moving forward. You're no longer bound by this collar of unforgiveness. You're no longer chained up by these things like bitterness and anger and resentment. But you're moving forward by God's grace, having been forgiven and forgiving others. But it's hard, isn't it? Because we've walked through some hard stuff. And and some of you have walked through some really hard stuff. The things that you've endured, the things that you have walked through. How could you possibly imagine forgiving someone? Because when we think of forgiveness, we think transactional. We, we think we have to say to someone, you need to be forgiven. And they say to us, I, I am sorry. Or, or we say to someone, I am sorry. And they say to us, I forgive you. Sometimes forgiveness is transactional, but sometimes forgiveness is unilateral. You know what that means? It's just one way. So it may be that the person that hurt you is not even living anymore. Maybe a parent or a spouse who abandoned you. It may be that it's not even wise or safe for you to be around that person. They're in jail or they should be. It it may be that it's just not something that's going to happen face to face. So how do we do this? How do we walk through this hard time? What do we do? First of all, you need to understand what forgiveness is not. So we talked about forgiveness, the meaning. Let me talk about forgiveness, the myths. Because some of you are struggling with forgiveness because you're thinking it's something that it's not. So this will be real quick. Let me just help you by telling you that forgiveness does not mean you forget the wrong done to you. Some of you struggle to forgive because you say, I forgive, but I can never forget. Well, of course you can't. You you can't just block something out automatically. Sometimes because of emotional pain or psychological impact, our memories are blocked. But that's rarely done because we sit here and go, I'm not going to think about it anymore. It's just not the way it works. 
We're not God. God can do that. Did you know God says that when it comes to our sin that is confessed and forgiven, he separates it as far as the east is from the west. He remembers it no more, the Bible says. But we're not God. So forgiveness doesn't mean you forget the wrong done to you. Forgiveness does not mean you approve of the wrong done to you. I've heard people say, if I forgive, it's, it's going to be like I'm saying that I was okay with it. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean you excuse the wrong done to you. It certainly doesn't mean you pardon the wrong done to you. You know what a pardon is? Every year at the end of the year, sometimes at the stroke of midnight, the president will pardon criminals, people who have been convicted of crimes. It makes big news, sometimes bigger than others. But the the president, what are they saying? They're saying, you're not only freed from these charges, there are no longer any consequences to what you've done. It's not forgiveness. You're not going to take away the consequences. Again, you don't have that power. Sometimes that's in the hands of the law. Sometimes things have been set into motion. Think about David. David's one of the greatest examples in Scripture of public sin, of public confession, and of forgiveness of God. We know this because in the New Testament, David is still referred to as a man after God's own heart. And yet... Were there consequences of his sin, even though he got right with God? Oh, yeah. His family was a mess for generations. Moses is described in Scripture as maybe the greatest leader that's ever been. Nobody before him or after him like Moses. And yet, did you know why Moses didn't get to go to the promised land? It's called his sin. Specifically, because of his anger. He disobeyed God in anger. So there were consequences, even though he got God's forgiveness. Forgiveness does not necessarily mean you reconcile with the wrongdoer. As I've mentioned, that's sometimes not possible, and sometimes it's not beneficial. It does not mean you repress the pain that the wrongdoing caused and pretend like nothing happened. Don't believe the myths Understand the meaning. Forgiveness, the meaning. Forgiveness, the myth. But I want you to hear forgiveness, the mandate. So this is what scripture says. Be very clear. Look again at verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. If you hang out here very often, you've heard me say a Christ follower never has the liberty to be unkind. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We are able to be on the air because listeners like you are gracious and give to this ministry. Would you consider making a gift today? It would be our honor to send you a gift, a resource, as a result of your gift of any size. You can make that gift by going to missionhill.org and clicking on the banner that says The Barnabas Effect. That will direct you to a simple way that you can give right there online. Thanks again for listening to The Barnabas Effect today. And now we continue with our message. Today, I want to give you a new statement according to Ephesians 4.32. A Christ follower never has the liberty 
to be unforgiving. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have that option. This was a command, and it's consistent throughout Scripture. Again, in Colossians 3 and verse 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But lest you think this is just the Apostle Paul, this did not originate with him. How about the words of Jesus? He taught us how to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. One of the greatest resources I've ever found on forgiveness is a book called Total Forgiveness and it's by a man named R.T. Kendall. Total forgiveness, R.T. Kendall. This is what R.T. Kendall says about the verse we just read. He says, isn't it interesting that just after Jesus has taught us to pray for daily bread, he teaches us to pray for daily forgiveness. This is an integral daily part of our life. But that's not where Jesus stopped. In fact, if you're reading in Matthew, right after the Lord's Prayer, this is what he says in verse 14. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Guys, some of you may not have known these verses were in the Bible, but this speaks of the mandate. This teaches us that forgiveness is not optional, that, that Christ's followers never have the liberty to be unkind, that forgiveness for us is conditional. Our ability to experience God's forgiveness is directly related to our ability to express, experience, express forgiveness to others. So how are you doing with that? To refuse to forgive is to burn a bridge over which you must pass. That's what Tony Evans said. Listen to how Mark describes this. Mark 11 and verse 25. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Church, it's important as a pastor and a teacher that you understand the significance of this biblical reality. We are mandated to forgive. Jesus illustrates this in Matthew 18. He tells a story. He says there's a master who has many servants. Some of the servants owe him debts. He decides to collect on those debts. So he calls in a man who owes him what would equal more than 20 years worth of annual wages. Some scholars have calculated that this would literally be billions of dollars in today's money. He comes in and tells the guy, it's time to pay your debt. Of course, the guy has no way to pay the debt. So what does he do? 
He says, I can't do this. Please forgive me. And he begs, he begs, he begs for forgiveness. What does the master do? He forgives him and he cancels the debt. Jesus continues to tell the story and he says that that guy leaves the presence of the master and he goes out into the community and he comes across people that owe him debts. And this one guy, the Bible says it really wasn't that much money. Compared to what he owed, this is more like, I don't know, money it would take to buy a dozen eggs at Publix. Well, that is a good bit of money. But he told the, the guy, it's time to pay up. And the guy began to beg him, please don't let me pay. But the Bible says he grabbed him by the neck and said, no, you're going to pay. And then the word gets back to the master, the master. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 18, 32. Then the master called the servant in. He said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And then Jesus says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I, I want you to understand that this is something we have to we have to see as a mandate from God. But at this point, it still seems like an impossible mandate. It's like the piece of lint that we can't get up. We're still just adjusting ourselves. So how do we respond? How do we do this? I think that's found in the motivation that Paul describes at the end of that verse. So we've looked at forgiveness, the meaning, and forgiveness, the myths, and forgiveness, the mandates. I want you to see forgiveness, the motivation. So one more time. In fact, this time, let's read Ephesians 4.32 together. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. What do you think our motivation is to forgive? We've been forgiven by Christ. How does God in Christ forgive us? Well, let me go back to something we've talked about. It begins unilaterally. Do you understand that? The Bible teaches us that when Jesus died on the cross, he died for all sin, past, present, and future. You know that had to be the case. If that were not the case, then he would have to keep going back to the cross. And that would not have been a new covenant. That would have been like the old covenant where there would have to be sacrifice made every year because sins would be renewed repeatedly. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that when Jesus died, he died once for all. And because Jesus died once for all, that means he died regardless of our response to his death. So his forgiveness that he's making available was not based on anything that we do. His forgiveness was unilateral. Just like sometimes you will have to forgive. This is how the Bible describes that forgiveness in Romans chapter 5. 
You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It should motivate us that in a unilateral action, Jesus died for us. We didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. It was all a result of his grace. Sometimes I'll talk to someone about forgiveness and they'll say, Pastor Paul, it's just not fair. And I might have to say, you're right. It's not. And I would say to you is that unilateral forgiveness that God makes available to us through Jesus, it's not fair. You know what would be fair? What would be righteous and just is that God would give us the punishment that we deserved. That would be fair. God's not always fair, but he's always just. He always does what's right. Then he allows us to apply this forgiveness in that transactional way. So this forgiveness that was granted once and for all, how do we receive that? We look to Jesus. We recognize that his death paid it all. We entrust him with our lives. We agree with him about our sinfulness and we receive that forgiveness. Now, what takes place when that happens? Number one, it brings glory to the name of God. God is glorified when you confess your sins and when you receive forgiveness. Psalms 25, 11 says, for the sake of your name, Lord, forgive my iniquity, though it is great. Secondly, when we receive God's forgiveness, it's like a shot in the arm spiritually. It invigorates us. It's like a spiritual monster energy drink. Listen to what it says in Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one who does not count, whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away, though my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was zapped in the heat of the summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover my iniquity and said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sins. Something happens to us. I believe even physically, but certainly spiritually when we receive God's forgiveness. But the biggest thing that happens is that we're changed. We're released from the debt that we owe. I told you David's sin Man, everybody in the world knows about David's sin. Aren't you glad you're not him? I mean, maybe some people know some of the bad things. you know. Not like David. But we also have his confession. And I love what he says in Psalm 51.10. Create in me a pure, a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. David knew that confession and forgiveness brought change. We talked about that last week. First John says, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us of all unrighteousness. 
I guess I would just ask you today, before we do anything else, before you think about forgiving anyone else, have you experienced the forgiveness of God? That's the message we come to share every time we gather. We are needy. We're made needy because of our sinfulness. That sin creates a debt, a debt we could never pay. But out of God's rich love, he sent his son, Jesus, who died in our place, who paid our debt. And when we look to Jesus, turning from our sin, he gives us forgiveness by showing us grace. That's the gospel. If you've never received that forgiveness, I want to invite you to do that right now. You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you with biblical truth and spiritual encouragement. But it can't be done without your financial support. Go to missionhill.org and click on the Give tab. Your financial support helps us reach those seeking truth about God and themselves. Thank you for giving at missionhill.org. Be encouraged by The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on Faith Talk Tampa. Online at letstalkfaith.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.